Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory Cyber Security Culture Podcast Series with Sarah and Kristen. Today we're joined by Jason Murrell. He's a part-time Deputy Cloud Branch Chair for the Australian Information Security Association in Melbourne. ACE's mission is to promote an independent perspective of technology security and provide a wide range of personal and professional benefits to their members while raising awareness of the risks and dangers of cyber attacks and data theft in the Australian community. Jason knows all too well we live within the digital age where technology is an integral part of all our lives, whether that be for business, learning, social or personal pursuits. Jason works within CyberHive Technology and they are on a mission to better protect everyone from cyber criminals by providing an engaging, interactive, educational and straightforward online cyber training solution that's affordable and suits everybody regardless of technical ability. Jason and his team help to empower you with knowledge, helping to keep you safer in this digital world so that you can continue using the tools you need and enjoy them with more confidence. Today, he joins Sarah and Kristen. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. If you have a business problem or question, get in touch with us. We can get our team of advisors and experts to help you with your business problems in an upcoming show. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kristen. From the Cybersecurity Culture Programme here at the Business Centre. This program is funded by the Australian Government Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources through the Cybersecurity Business Connect and Protect program. This series, we will be highlighting a range of cybersecurity issues within business around culture, impacts of breaches, what to look out for, real life stories, where to seek support or report a breach, and some easy strategies to start protecting your customers and your brand. It is crucial to be proactive and have strategies in place for protection. Key findings in the Australian Cyber Security Centre Annual Cyber Threat Report for 2021 Financial Year reported the ACSC received over 67,500 cybercrime reports. That's an average of one every eight minutes, representing an increase of nearly 13% from the previous financial year. Today, I'd like to welcome our guest, Jason, from Cyber Hive Technology to discuss assessing cybersecurity posture in business for today. Hi, Jason. Thank you for your time today. We should make it sound a bit more exciting than that because <laughs> we don't want people to go to sleep right off the top. When we talk about cyber and cybersecurity posture, I think sometimes people freak out a little bit or get a bit scared or this is going to be boring. So we'll try and make it a bit fun today or as much fun as we can to protect ourselves, obviously, and, and make sure we don't get caught in a cyber attack. So that's exciting. It is. And look, you're, you're exciting and you've got a wealth of knowledge. So our conversations are always full of laughter. So love your stories. We have, we absolutely do. Well, we'll have a few stories. I just, I just think, I think with cyber, people need something they can connect to or relate to. Because I think, absolutely. Most, I mean, the belief is that it's not going to happen to me. I mean, that's a, a common thing. And it's been said ever since I've been in cyber that why would they attack me? And, and I think We'll give some tips and clues as to why they might and how you can sort of protect yourself, I think, you know, so you're not the lowest hanging fruit and someone that they would go after, I think is probably the key thing. And there's some simple stuff we can do and we'll cover that off here today to make sure that we give people some useful stuff they can go away and use and apply straight away if they haven't already. And if you have, then good on you. We'll give you a pat on the back uh, virtually as well. I mean, things are changing all the time and, and I think this is the other part of it and what we'll try and tick off here today is 
although cyber has changed a lot, there's a lot of things that are still the same that still haven't been done. So a lot of the basics haven't been done. So we'll cover those off in a few other layers as well to sort of show people how it's not that hard. It can be pretty easy to do. And uh, yeah, just some simple things you can do to basically get the journey started and to make sure that, you know, majority of us are protected. So yeah, looking forward to, uh, to jumping into it with you guys. Well, let's do that. So today, what we really want to discuss is how business has changed and is ever-changing, like you just said, in terms of our cybersecurity posture, we're going to make it exciting, aren't we? And we're going to deep dive into the importance of assessing our business. We have had many, many talks, and I want you to have these chats like we do any other day. So don't think this as, you know, a podcast. This is a conversation that we have on the daily. So I want to discuss how business has changed, and it's always ever-changing in terms of cybersecurity posture. And I want to deep dive into the importance of assessing our business. Tell me what it means to assess it and how has it changed over the past five to ten years in terms of cyber? Yeah, a lot, a lot of things have changed. I mean, you mentioned some stats off the top there where you said that 13% increase. I, I'd say, and I think most experts uh, would back me up and say it's a lot higher than that. So I think the reporting is actually underreported. And over the last probably five or six years, it's probably tripled the amount of crime that's actually occurring, so cybercrime. And, you know, that happens for a few reasons. I think the criminals are getting better with their attacks, so they're getting smarter. I mean, everyone will remember the old Nigerian letter scam, and we sort of make sort of jest of that a a bit. You know, that was like a a West African scam that was said, you know, remember the the prince passed away, you're a long-lost relative, and you've got some money coming your way. And that's probably what most people remember is sort of the start of it and people sort of thought, oh, well, they wouldn't get caught by that, surely. I haven't heard that story. Really? Can you t- yeah. Can, can you tell me? The, 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 Nigerian, the Nigerian scam was basically, one has been around for many moons. It was a, an email that comes out really poorly written in English and, and the, the base of the scam is that, you know, you've got a long-lost relative that's passed away. You know, you've got a big inheritance coming your way. Uh, so that's the hook to get people mm-hmm. sort of going in there. Uh, long story short, they basically get it to the point where they say, we need you to transfer something over to us first and then we can transfer the money over. So there's a fee basically like $1,000 to say as an example mm-hmm. to get things underway and then we'll transfer the money because we've got to set up, you know, all the things from that way. That that got a lot of people. That, that was millions and millions of dollars. But that, that was sort of the infancy of where it started, you know. And so people now would look back then and even at the time and say, well, who would fall for that? And it was a lot of people that, you know, were older especially, but it, it could have been anyone that sort of fell for that that scam and, and still to this day people still get caught up in that in that exact uh, scenario it's not broken don't bother fixing it so a lot of the internet companies tried to crack down on those email addresses that were going out and everything like that but that's where it sort of all stemmed from but now it's getting a lot more high tech where they're replicating the look and feel of you know phishing emails that go out that look like they've come from netflix or you know from australia post or dhl and, and they're really targeting and studying in areas too so where it was an american-centric thing that would get sent out and people in Australia would get sent one and we go, well, we don't really get that much from DHL or, you know, those sorts of companies. Now they've been smart and they've actually gone geographically targeted to Australia and saying, well, they have Australia Post there, they have Telstra there, they have certain companies that people would expect to get something from. So we use those. And not just email, you know, where they've graduated to is actually text messages, you know, so SMSs. And unfortunately, with us being locked down at home a lot more now, people are expecting delivery. So if they see something come on their phone and it says, click this link to see where your delivery is. You know, these days mm-hmm. with everyone working from home and not being able to go out as much because of COVID, people are clicking on links, opening up some sort of malware or something onto their phone or into their email system and, and giving people access. So 
the scams are getting trickier for people. And I think from an assessment point of view, like looking at that five or 10 year period, a lot of different things have to be assessed now. And a lot of things have changed, you know, because, you know, computer program updates, you probably uh, like me, see, they come through regularly now, you know, where Apple would do an update maybe once a year or something like that. Now they're doing them in some cases every month or, you know, sometimes every couple of weeks. I feel like it's weekly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, and I think everyone does. And again, this, this is what we want to try and tick off today is how you can get, you know, things like automatic updates set up so you don't have to worry about looking for those sorts of updates and they just happen automatically, you know, automatic updates. So when we're talking about assessing a business, it's like if you get a health assessment done, you know, from a doctor or a specialist, you know, where they're going to ask you a series of questions to find out, where you might be in certain tests, you know, to say, well, how's your cholesterol going? How's your diet? How often are you drinking? You know, all those sorts of things. From a cyber point of view, you know, you're looking at the business to say, well, how are you doing transactions? Do you do online transactions? How's your banking done? Who has access to information? Do they need to have that access? You know, and those sort of questions around your business where businesses just sort of set up autopilot and just sort of let things run. And inside a business, sometimes people have access to things they shouldn't. And, you know, as your company grows or gets larger, you know, people are getting into parts of the business they probably shouldn't have access to, whether that be client databases, you know, they could have access to, they might be planning to leave your business and they take all your clients and move somewhere else and all their personal details. You don't know what they'll do with that. They could sell to other people, you know. These are the sorts of things when we're assessing a business, we've got to say, what is my business? What type of business have I got? And where are the risks within that business? And I think, you know, there are some free tools and things we'll talk about today that for people who haven't started that journey, they can sort of have a look at starting that. But also I think what we'll do today and, and from our previous conversation start off with some real basic stuff that everyone can and should be doing in their business and, and personally, you know, in their personal lives as well. Are you looking to grow your business? We have a fantastic team of experience-led business advisors and online toolboxes that can guide you to scaling your business. You can find all the information at businesscenter.com.au. So what would be the first point of attack, I guess, for either, let's just say I'm a startup, what would be my first bit of advice that you would give me in terms of making sure that I'm set? Yeah, I think as a startup, I think one of the mistakes a lot of startups make is they, they say they want to be lean and all these sorts of things. You know, so start lean and don't don't have too many expenses and, and things. Like that. And I've, I've been involved in a few startups myself, but I think one of the main things you want to do, and I've done cyber startups, you want to be starting with cyber in mind. So protecting that. So when you're doing your business plan, part of your plan should be to what do we need to protect and how do we extra protect with our clients, our banking, our, our certain things like that. So these habits need to start in your own personal life and flow into your business and then, you know, protect your business. And as your business grows, the people in your business as well. So the first thing you need to do is look at, you know, I mean, phishing emails, if people haven't heard, you know, it's like we sort of spoke about it before, but someone sending you a malicious email that looks like it's from a legitimate source and has an attachment or some sort of link that people will click onto and open up into their computer. That's a pretty easy way for people to get access and how, you know, over 90% of attacks happen. So the first thing you want to do is put in some security around your email service. So, you know, even just basic up your spam filters and doing things of that nature, you know, to get that started. Training yourself and then being able to train your staff as well. You know, as an onboarding, people do occupational health and safety as a given nowadays. You know, well, here's where, you know, our first aid is or here's you run through certain uh, aspects of that. But onboarding should actually include cybersecurity as well. So we, we take cybersecurity seriously here. A part of your onboarding is we're going to take you through, you know, regular training. So an onboarding training and then updates, you know, at least sort of monthly or even quarterly, you know, to keep people and keep cyber sort of front of mind, you know. So it's funny how we practice, you know, safety drills for fires. 
Mm-hmm. You know, in businesses, there's often, a, and I'm sure of all workplaces where you go to a fire drill, you know, but the likelihood of a fire happening compared to a cyber attack is probably 20 to 1. You've got 20 times more likelihood of actually, probably it's probably 100 to 1, really, mm-hmm. of a cyber attack happening over a fire. But we mm-hmm. don't do drill with mm-hmm. cyber. You know, we should. And I think get that practice in early and start it because then it doesn't become a chore. It just becomes part of your business. So what if I'm already established and I have a few simple things in place? I've upped my spam, a VPN, we have multi-factor, then what? Like, that's okay, isn't it? Is is there more that I should be assessing? You're saying that a lot of people have that, but a lot of times they don't have multi-factor authentication on things. They don't have password managers or safe and secure passwords. They're using the same password across multiple things, you know, and this comes to the core of the basics of cyber that, that we sort of take for granted sometimes in the industry and know, but most people are using the same password and email address to access accounts and whether and, and they do a business account that links from their Facebook or Instagram or, or whatever they want to do marketing for. And if a cyber criminal gets hold of just one of those, they've got your email and password. And if you've utilised that across other platforms, mm. they'll then try that across other things. So let me try and get into here and get into here and get into here. And then they can not just hack you, but they could also hack all your friends and family as well. That's a scary thought. Well, it is. But we have so many passwords. Like, seriously, we have 100 passwords or or more to do that. And then you and then we have like, I'm being devil's advocate, I guess. And then having multi-factor authentication, that's just a pain in the backside. Having to, that's that's time. It's not as bad as it used to be. So that, I I sort of agreed with that a few years ago, like probably back 2016, 17 or something like that. That probably was the case where, you know, having multiple passwords or or having multi-factor authentication, all those sorts of things were, probably to a degree, a challenge, and it was hard to get in a lot of businesses because it's those extra steps where people go, oh, I'll just bypass that, I won't worry about that, or I have to change my password every now and then. Mm-hmm. There's password managers that you can get, and, and a lot of times they're free. So I'll, okay. often business will put it in place for all of their staff and, and make that mandatory. Mm-hmm. So if they're accessing their phone or, or through the business, they'll have a password manager, mm-hmm. and you can type in a, a master password. So you, you might use something, a passphrase, something a bit more difficult to remember. Mm-hmm. But once you even type that into your uh, phone or into your computer, uh, if you do have biometrics, like to say thumbprint, you know, that a lot of people have on their phone or something, that can be enough to then trigger that. So you don't have to remember that long password all the time as well. Or you can get, if you're going on your computer, you can get an email sent to you or an SMS or something like that that you can put a code in. So you're not making a long and strong passphrase, but you're not gonna have to type that in every time. The beauty of that is once you've got that on your computer, on your phone, you can then, it'll encrypt all your passwords across everything. So you only have to remember one long password, which is recommended, like a long, strong password for that one, and it'll encrypt all your other passwords for everything else. So you never have to remember passwords for anything else. You just remember one long, strong one. I'm sick of, I'm sick of doing all these passwords. <laughs> Would that be a good one? A <laughs> hundred times, you know, the number a hundred or something. But yeah, something like that, something that's going to be memorable or a long passphrase or something that you will, you know, can type in there pretty quickly, make the capital just at the start of each word or something like that, and put an exclamation mark at the end or some numbers or something like that, you know, and then you've got, you're on your way to something that you remember that you only have to use once. Sometimes it'll ask you every 30 days or something to just rejig it or if you go into a new system or somewhere else. But generally speaking, you're only going to do that once. So I don't think it's hard anymore. It was. It used to be difficult when you had to type it in. The other thing with multi-factor is multi-factor is not that hard to do, but it should be installed across everywhere where it's available. So we spoke about social media, whether you've got Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram or all those sorts of things. So if someone does get your password, if you haven't got a password manager, do that now but if you haven't 
that they, they've, once they've got your password, they need another step. So it's going to be an SMS that's sent to your phone they don't have access to, or it's going to be something where they're requiring something which you'll only be privy to uh, that they won't have access to. So it'll prevent them from actually being able to get into your account. So as I say, off the top, I think I think that was a difficulty and off-putting for people, but that's mm -hmm. not the case anymore. Yeah, it's a lot easier to, to actually get these. And the free, you know, password managers used to cost, there's a lot of great free versions out there. You know mm -hmm. that, that you can get you know like uh bitward and those sort of ones very simple to use uh very effective and you know and and covers your covers your bum in in uh, the case of emergency but don't lose or forget your master password otherwise you lose everything no there's other ways you can access that and they've got little steps and uh and things in place that can do that but yeah make but it a memorable master password yeah mm, but then if you forget those questions then you are locked out i speak from ah, experience well. <laughs> yeah well that's uh <laughs> It's better to be locked out of your own account and have mm. everyone else locked out as well. <laughs> mm. it's, but that's how secure my password yep. management systems are. Let's talk all things small business. For some practical advice and direction, DM us on Facebook or Instagram at The Business Centre. Okay, so moving on to the next question. Why should I assess my business and what am I wanting to assess and what is the biggest gap you see? Is it the people, technology, regulations, or all of these? Yeah, I think it's a mixture of all of the above. I think this is something which I've, and I've listened to some really good talks around this sort of thing where people are going, and try and blame people because they, the, the sort of logic is that, oh, well, people click on links or they, you know, they get in through phishing emails is the majority of the way that it goes. And so people are sort of probably pretty lazy in some way and say, well, it's a, it's a human problem because humans are making the mistake but it, it depends i mean you can really dial up the protection to stop these sorts of things but then you stop people doing their work as well so it's, it's a balance between you know we all need to have technology in our jobs these days and we all need to be able to access technology so how far you dial that up or down can do two things so one yes it'll stop more attacks but then it also makes your business less effective because you're stopping people having easy access we spoke about password managers and the like before you know, if you make it too hard for people to do their job, you know, it's going to cost you money, it's going to cost you time, and it could cost you business. So, yes, there is human elements to it, but I think the issue there is that humans is not being trained properly. So they're not being trained what to look out for. So, you know, I, I think it needs to start at school, really. Like, I, I just think there's a big gap where mm -hmm. cybersecurity, like financial literacy, is just not taught at school, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, unless you mm. choose as a subject toward the back end of your schooling, they're not teaching about the basics of even, I mean, compound interest, you know, the eighth wonder of the world, you know, <laughs> should be teaching kids to invest and, and put money away, you know, for, for future by the time they're 40 to retire, you know, done properly. And I yeah. think cybersecurity sort of falls yeah. into that same category. It needs to be taught in a way where it's like, get it as a given and, and a natural thing you do through school, like putting on mm. a seatbelt. When seatbelts came in in the 70s, Everyone mm. bucked up because they never had to put seatbelts on. You know, mm. people were getting T-shirts that were white with a black stripe across so they didn't have to wear them because it was such a pain in the ass. But, you know, growing up when we did, it just became second nature because as you grew mm. up, you just have to wear a seatbelt. So putting on a seatbelt is not an issue. And I think cyber, if it gets taken back to the school level, mm. then doesn't become such an issue when it comes into work. And what's happening mm. now and where we have this grating is that people are at work, they're busy doing their jobs, and then people say, go do some cyber training or something like that. Mm. Oh, cyber training? I don't want to do mm. cyber training. You know, why do I have to do cyber training? You know, so, and it's become a chore. And it's a bit of a perception too. From my experience in the sector, it's about zeros and ones and you need to be very highly technical, but it's really not the case, is it? No, make it simple. And I think, and we've spoken about before, so, and I'll probably repeat myself between us here, but for the people that are listening, that 
The one thing is that I think cyber gets made difficult and it gets made or perceived to be a scary thing. So then people worry about it, think it's too hard. Rather than trying to break down and make it, how can we make it easier, accessible and and something that's not so scary and something people want to do? Because they know mm. there's problems. They know that they could be attacked. They're worried about it. And, and they probably know people now close to them that have lost something in some sort of form of an attack. Well, you know, this just happened to me yesterday. I just discovered that I my credit card had been hacked and they started off by just taking small amounts and just because I haven't been monitoring my credit card, it's just built up. And then in the same day that I found that out, I got a phone call and they were it was an Indian lady telling me that my credit card was used at 3am in the morning and for an online for an online purchase. And I was like, what is going on here? Like there's all coming at me from all angles. I knew that she was scamming me and I just said, well, can you just confirm the name that you have for that card? And she was like, oh, oh, and hung up on me. But people could get like overwhelmed. Yeah. And and answer these questions. Like I'm sure she was going to ask me, you know, can you just confirm your credit card number? And surely people, it's easy to do to give you information away. So, yeah. And that's, that's a great point. So that's, that's the other thing is that if you do get a call from someone and especially if it's a bank or credit card company, you've got to break the chain. So you basically say, oh, hang on, I'll give you a call back, right? Go to the website, type in Westpac yes, or Commonwealth yes. Bank or National Australia Bank, get the phone number from there or off an email that you've got that's officially from them and then give them a call back. So that, that's a great point. That's, that's a, a great lesson there. I mean, there's so many lessons and this is the thing, you know, when we sit here, there's so many things you can do, but the, the voicemail scams become a huge thing at the moment too. Uh, you know, with Microsoft, you know, and the, the computer updates and all these different sort of scams where people jump on the computer key log them, you know, so they can see what keystrokes they're putting in or watch their screen and record it and all those sorts of things. It's wow. just becoming so prevalent. You just, you know, the phone calls and the text messages and everything that people are getting, you know, it's just, I think people are feeling bombarded and overwhelmed at the mm. moment, you know, with regards to the amount of stuff. And it's just about stopping, not reacting quickly, taking your time and, and sorting mm. through things and just don't take, you know, this zero trust model. It, it sounds a bit weird, but in a way you just have to not trust anybody, you know, really no. and, and sort of just stop take time and then go back through and, and have a have a think about it or, you know, contact or would my bank contact me like that or would a credit card company do that, you know, and and all those sorts of things. Log in yourself to your own, you know, system from another device or something not on the computer or, you know, phone they might have contacted you from. Break that cycle, you know, if just in case they are on your phone or, or looking at your computer and, and check these things out because, yeah, it can happen in a heartbeat, you know, really for mm. people to lose money and people in the middle taking large transactions away from people and, um, you know, house settlements as we've spoken about before and in, in business and we're talking about business here, uh, invoices going out, you know, mm-hmm. and then someone getting in the middle and, and directing that invoice somewhere else by changing banking details. They're all things that are happening every day and it's millions and millions of dollars a day. So you just don't want it to be you. So it's good that you, you know, sort of pick that up. So I want to go back to the part of the question that Kristen just asked asked as well, which was assessing like regulations. Regulations a- is really hard. So it's, it's hard as a business. See that I, I find that for business, and we talked about startups and starting up, you've got so many hoops and, and things you have to you know, juggle, you know, really from, you know, payroll taxes and, and work cover and, you know, and, and regulations with regard to, you know, protecting people's personal data, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much that it can sometimes seem overwhelming. Just taxes and, you know, things of that mm-hmm. nature are hard enough. Mm. You know, and just running your business, let alone once you throw in, you know, cybersecurity. Uh, yeah, and, and we sort of talked about at the big end of town, there's 
now a lot more responsibly on directors of companies, not just small companies, but on, on large, you know, listed companies that if there are sort of cyber attacks, the government's sort of looking at there'll be consequences for directors, you know, for that sort of thing happening. So, so the squeeze is on, I think, across the board and, 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 you know, it is made important cybersecurity, but a lot of times it's not shown, well, what do we do? Yeah. You know, I know we could get in trouble if it happens, but how do I protect mm. against that? And, and mm. it goes back to those core things, putting the basics in place, making sure you educate your staff, you know, and, and yourself so that, you don't fall uh, victim to these sorts of things, but yeah, it is difficult and it, and it just needs to be uh, spoken about more. And everyone's in such a rush to get things, you know, you, mm. you're sort of reacting to emails quickly, you've got mm. text messages coming in, you've got a call coming in, you know, there's so much stuff you, and, you know, people doing homeschooling and all these sorts of things. There's so much pressure on people mm-hmm. that have, that are sort of built up that it sometimes becomes an afterthought and, and you sometimes just out of habit quickly respond to a text message or click on a link or do something and you can be distracted for a second and that that can be all it takes and this is what the criminals rely on you know so you know with regard to technology and regulation and lots of stuff as i said as much as you can automate and make automatic is obviously key mm-hmm. uh, to take the, the worry away from there and keeping updated mm-hmm. uh, with regards to regulations they're changing all the time so mm-hmm. yeah regulations in every aspect for business is changing so it's quite mm-hmm. difficult it is yeah and and you know, it's it's what's important and, and it, it becomes, and we talked about assessment, like, and we've used the example form we've spoken is, you know, when you're doing your home insurance or if you're going to protect your home, how much security do you put in place? You know, what do you keep at home? You know, do, do you have expensive jewels or something that you want to put in a safe? And then, you know, what do you do with your house? Do you put, you know, a double door, uh, you know, bolts or locks on there? Do you put screens on there? Do you put cameras in? Do you put alarms in place? You know, and your business is the same sort of thing. What, what things you need to protect in your business as well that you don't want people to get access to. And a lot of that, unfortunately, now is stored electronically or online, backed up in a cloud or something like that. So what security measures do you have in place, you know, that you want to look at that needs to have extra security and what, what do you not have to worry about so much? And I think, yeah, if we could simplify and just bring it down to those sort of basics will help, you know, because you've got to protect people's personal data. You don't want them having their banking details, you know, floating out there in the ether. You know, there's been cases where there's been people who might work writing down people's credit card numbers, you know, and they had it on their desk and then they go home for the night, the cleaner comes in and, mm. you know, well, oh, there's, there's Jane Smith's credit card details on, the, on there written out with a CVV, you know, number and all that sort of stuff. I'll just take that and pop some stuff through or going dumpster diving, you know, a lot of criminals were going into uh, with paper wasn't being shredded and stuff and documents being thrown into dumpsters and finding information out that way, you know. Mm. So think about your business and how you can sort of protect yourself and, and how you're disposing of information, how you're protecting information, you know, are probably key things. Then from a regulation point of view, you're not going to be in as much trouble, you know. So it's, uh, it's just doing basics well, I think. Yeah. There are laws in, and policies in place that we, we need to follow for that too. Do you have a business idea, but you're not sure it'll work? We have small business toolboxes and expert business advisors to support and guide you through your startup process. Contact us via our website to find out how. Businesscentre.com.au. I was just reading an um, article while you're off, just uh, that Deloitte did in the US, and they interviewed a whole heap of C suite, not just in America, but around the world. And they were just saying that virtually none of them have plans. Like they've all noticed a massive uptick in you know, cyber attempts. I think they're saying 86% in the US and 63% worldwide. But that still a lot of these bigger businesses don't have any plans either, you know, with regard to how they deal with the cyber attack. So not just small, small business, unfortunately, that, uh, that have no plan. A lot of these bigger businesses, you know, we sort of talk about, you know, it being a problem 
and that you know small businesses don't know what to do but it looks like you know still generally speaking a lot of large businesses aren't doing anything either so it's a bit of a concern when you read that and that's a, is that a report from today yeah, from today, like Deloitte just released it today about organisations and they asked a whole heap of C-suite um, just about, you know, what their experience was with uh, with regard to cybersecurity and, yeah, it doesn't look good. And They and- did between June 6 and August 24 this year, 577 C-suite executives. So 159 of those were in the US, but, you know, it was around the world. Uh, mm-hmm. So this included like CEOs, CISOs and the like. What are, sorry, what are CEOs and CISOs? A CEO, so oh. Chief Executive Officer and Chief Information Security Officers, like okay. they're included within this, you know, and asking them the questions. And that uh, said that uh, the US executives have come across at least one cybersecurity event over the past year, 98% in comparison to 84% internationally. So in America, they're pretty much saying 100%, like 98 and 84% uh, internationally, you know, with regard to this, the attacks. You know, and, and COVID, obviously, have made that uh, that number you know, ramp up over the last little period. So sort of timely we're doing this, but it's, uh, yeah, when you read that sort of thing, I, I, I don't know, I've been in for so many years in cyber and I just keep looking at it and thinking it's got to turn around eventually. Like there's, there's got to be a point where people go, it turns, but it, it just, the, the numbers just keep piling up on top of each other. It's. Uh, I don't think it will. It's just growing and it's just they're thinking of new ways. And like before you were talking about, uh, you told the story once when we were chatting uh, about the lawyers and how the the money was taken on, like on the exchange, from the exchange. And like that's, that's huge. Like I've sold a house recently and if the money like that went, you can't get it back. It's It's gone. And like, and it's so, yeah. There was yeah three properties settling. They had a uh, they had a trust that they'd actually set up where they'd you know divvy the funds into for settlement of the properties. They had three properties, so it was totaling um, seven hundred eighty k, or just over. And uh, yeah, they all, all three property settlements fell over, uh, money gone. Um, so that was one of those man in the middle attacks. So what they'd basically done is sent a uh, an email saying that the Microsoft inbox was over quota, and they needed to click on a link to go and log into their Microsoft to expand their uh, capacity. So it was only one lady in the firm that had actually clicked on that link. They watched her email box for about three weeks and noticed that, yeah, at the end of each week, she was doing these property uh, sort of settlements. So they uh, waited for, you know, sort of week four. And when these notices went out, they stopped them in the outbox, changed the banking details to their banking details and sent it on. So they'd gone to the extent this was an African crime gang that, that, that actually even use the Commonwealth Bank account here in Australia. So they still use the same branch and everything, obviously a different account. Money got transferred by the people at settlement because they'd never dealt with this law firm before, so they hadn't had mm. contact with them. So they didn't know if it was the right detail, not just paid what was on the invoice. The next week, this lady sort of comes in the office and notices that none of the funds have hit the account. So she starts ringing the, the customers to say, what's happened with the, the settlement money? Oh, no, I've transferred that. Oh, okay, that's weird. Second person... She starts to cotton on something's not quite right and said, oh, can you just send me an email with your receipt or showing the transactions occurred? They sent it on. She said, it's the wrong account details. And they said, we just paid what was on the email. They called the the police and they went to Gold Coast Police. The AFP got involved. But by the time all this has happened, they realised what had happened. The money had been transferred out of that account and and had gone. So, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, three properties have fallen over. Those people have lost the money. Obviously, that law firm no longer exists. But yeah, that, that sort of thing is is unfortunately quite common. And, and that's, again, clicking on a link and, you know, going to something that looked like a Microsoft page, 
you know, and, and sometimes they just change, you know, an O to a zero or something like that, you know, and they, they register these domain names to capture people out. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, it happens, happens all the time. And, it's and, crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That is, it's, it's crazy. But there was one construction company had been sent an invoice from a company in WA. This was for a job in Melbourne. It was $800,000. And, you know, this company, 800 grand to them was a big thing. It's wages, it's everything. You know, they were basically running mm. on money coming in, money going out. They didn't have, you know, surplus funds sitting in the account. They had, you know, been paying staff and everything like that. They were waiting on this $800,000 to come from the construction company in, in Melbourne over to their account. They were a concrete company had done a large job and money's still not there. They rang up, no, no, we've transferred the money to you and all that sort of stuff. You know, and, and this is another tip, you know, if you've got, large sums of money to transfer just ring up and make sure that you know you have got the correct details before you're transferring these you know massive you know sums of money but there's been big ones the boeing i think was uh like 40 or 50 million dollars in one hit the ceo got scammed you know a whaling attack there was one the other week which was actually a voicemail scam so someone had uh, replicated through ai the the ceo's voice you know and got people to transfer 35 million dollars out of a business and stuff like that so and this is part of those policies, you know, if your business, whatever it can afford, you know, because 20 grand to a business can put it on its knees and 2 million to another business can put it on its knees and 20 million to another business can put it on its knees. So it, does, it depends on the business and the size, but it, there's an amount that a business can't afford to lose, you know, and mm-hmm. you can't afford. So whatever it is for you guys uh, in business, have a limit. To, if it's over $500 that we call up the person before we transfer the money, you know, to, yeah. or if it's $5,000, whatever an amount is. And this goes back to who has access to, things, you know, bank accounts or payments or who does what. You know, there was a company a few years ago that's just funny. We started doing training with them. So we did phishing and, and uh, cybersecurity training with them. And at one point, uh, this was only about two or three months in, one of the bookkeepers there actually, it was an accounting firm, went to her manager and said, oh, I've got one of those phishing emails. You know, like, uh, you know, it's one of those simulations that you're sending out. It wasn't, it was actually a real one. And she said, normally I would have paid that if I wasn't going through this training. It was $127,000 that she would have paid out of one of their clients' accounts for a bill, but she thought it was a phishing attack, which it was, but it wasn't a simulated one from us in a protected environment. It was a real one, but she picked it up because she was looking out for it, you know, from doing training. And so I think this is where the training aspect comes in or slowing down and being suspect of everything that comes through and Mm. not trusting and looking at Who's the email from? Does that look like the proper email address? All those sorts of things. Just slowing down and just getting in the habit of just looking through those steps. Where's that email come from? Does this sound like the tone or whatever that that person would use, et cetera? And, you know, just putting those extra stop gaps in place to make sure that you're not transferring funds or sending information out to people that shouldn't be receiving it. Do you have a part-time business that you'd like to take full-time and beyond? Our experienced business advisors can support you in growing your area and making that big bang in business. Contact us at businesscentre.com.au. So you said whaling. What? What's whaling? I know what phishing yeah, is. So, so, so from, from phishing, so yeah, so we talk about phishing as in a phishing email. Whaling's where they go after the, the big fish in the organisation. So the CEO and they'll go for a whaling attack because they know that if they can get a control of like a CEO's inbox, that mm-hmm. they can pretty much get control of it. Often they'll have the autonomy to basically go and, you know, uh, he and she has the autonomy to basically ride over the top of anything. So if they need to see, and if, if someone in the business got sent an email from the CEO that said, transfer 30 grand right now, you know, that's a chief financial officer or something like that, they're more likely to do it if they've asked from the CEO. So mm-hmm. what these people often do, the, the criminals, is they'll study the language, look at the style of email and then replicate that. So mm-hmm. if they'll go searching through the email and say, 
oh, there's an email he sent to the CFO before asking for a transaction to be done. Let's just copy that wording and everything like that and get it transferred to us, you know, and stuff like that. So often they'll, they'll target the CEO because once you've got the head of the business under control, the whaling, that's where the, the big money comes from, they, they get the whale and they get the big money. So uh, they'll often go top of the tree. So C-suite are sometimes uh, the owners of the business, the ones that get tricked the most. Mm-hmm. You know, it's often when I've seen these simulations and seen the back end of it, it's often the C-suite people that do get caught up in it because uh, they're not expecting it and, and they are busy and they tend to do things, you know. So, or they have an offsider who might uh, have the autonomy to do stuff and, and can be easily tricked. So once they've got control of your inbox and they can see the style of writing and, and who you send things to and how regularly, they just replicate that. And, and the person on the other end just can think, oh, well, that's uh, Mary or Joe sending me that. They say to do that. That's the normal email I've seen. It's come from their inbox. I'll transfer money to that person. Yeah, not, not even think twice about it. So, so it's, it's often key that they go after big people or the head of an organisation. Mm, it really gets sense. you thinking, doesn't it? Because yeah. if my boss sends me something, I'm really not going to like, I would, question I, it. I wouldn't I'm say just... this out loud. <laughs> well, hang on. Okay, I'll take that back. <laughs> but this is the thing too, you know, that, that at that level, and this is where there needs to be an agreement, and, mm. and part of that response is when there's a certain amount paid, call to make sure that mm. is a Yeah, that's so right. If it's, I'll ring yep. the CEO, you've got their mobile number, give them a call. Yeah, yeah. Call them directly. Or go walk in their office and say, hey, I've got this email from you. Yeah. Is this just, is this... just verifying this is fair income, you know, like. Absolutely. So, you know, just not taking stuff for granted and, and just going yeah, ahead and doing absolutely. things. So it is, it is changing. There is some changes. That, mm. They're minor changes, but they're changes that mm. can make a big difference. What would you recommend for micro startup businesses to be aware of at the get-go? And what are the best things to start with right now today? I think we've sort of, you know, whether it's micro business or any business, I think the, the key things we spoke about, you know, is getting into good habits, you know, right from the start. So, and that, and flows onto your personal life and into your business. So, you know, regular updating stuff, backing mm-hmm. up everything as well. So ransomware attacks, we haven't sort of spoken much about them, but I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. have covered them before. But ransomware or malware is often part of that attack surface from a phishing email where they'll lock your computer, lock your files, mm-hmm. and they'll say, pay us a ransom and we'll unlock that for you. Mm-hmm. And never pay a ransom, people say. And, and often, in, in I think it's 50-50 proposition, you can pay the money and still not have your files unlocked in half of those cases, you know. So if you have good backups and regular backups, and again, work out how often you need to back up your system, mm-hmm. you're not at, at the mercy of these people because you can basically say, oh, well, just cut all that off. I've got a backup. We can start our business again. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't back up, you know. So mm-hmm. whether you back up to a cloud, onto a physical device or something like that, back up as regularly as you need to and back up key parts of your business. So you can get back online you know, as quickly as possible. So that's Great. it. Automatic updates, backups. You know, the password managers we spoke about, you know, and getting good password hygiene in place, having multi-factor, you know, sort of turned on in, in, uh, in those sort of aspects. We, we keep banging on about the basics, but if you start those sort of basic things, they're good. You know, if, if you've got Microsoft and have Microsoft Defenders as a, as a, you know, antivirus, you know, so whatever system you're running, whether it's Microsoft or iOS for Apple or whatever, make those mm-hmm. updates up and, and utilise what they have is a lot of built-in features that are free that you can actually use. You can get a lot of stuff set up and, and done without actually there being too much or, or any cost. Look at all these sorts of things you can do. 80% of attacks wouldn't happen if everyone had strong passwords or password managers and multi-factor authentication. Just those two things there mm-hmm. take out 80% of attack surface. So, you know, you've, and then the other 20% you can chip away at. But if you've got yep. an 80% guarantee that you're not going to get hacked, you know, from having those things in place... Mm-hmm. That's a good head start, isn't it? You know, and then you can sort of chip away. So have the base in place and then that other 20%, you can sort of work away at if you want to have endpoint protection and, 
and other aspects to put into your business. And again, it depends on your business. What sort of business you're doing? Is it online? You know, do we have to protect our website? You know, from from attack? Do we have to? You know, uh, do we have personal information and details of people? Do we hold credit card payments? Do we have IP in our business? I think we've we've spoken about before. You know, manufacturing people often go, well, I've got three people to work for me, and we don't hold people's bank details or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But they might have the IP for a, a metal uh, thing that they have. That if someone hacked it, you know, found it in in another country, to say like China or something like that copied those plans and then undercut them on price and took their market away from them, mm. that could be a big thing. So, you know, what IP do they have to protect that they don't want people to get access to? What is stuff that you don't need to have online, you know, that you don't need to have stored on your computer or something like that, you know? So there's multiple things I think that we can do, but I think just those basics are, are key, you know, for <laughs> any business that, you know, have those in place and, and, yeah. and train your staff and talk about it and have those response plan in place. So then if mm. a mistake does happen, what do we do? What do we do? Like the fire drill, Mm -hmm. what do we do? Plan. Yeah, and just don't assume. I suppose your staff knows. Yeah, never assume. You never assume. No. Following this podcast as well, we will have the resources that are available for people to connect with and do some online training themselves with yourself and cyber high technology. Yeah, we've got the free. Like we've got that free link that I sent through to you, which is absolutely free. There's no, it's free, and then it becomes a cost or anything like that. It's a, it's like we spoke about a questionnaire that people can go through. It'll ask some questions about. You know, do you have a password manager? No. Do you have these things in place? We'll go through and ask all the questions and then at least it gives them from those answers where there may be gaps in the business. That'll say, oh, it's a bit red zone here. You know, you might want to look at fixing that up and then they can sort of chip away at it. But, uh, yeah. you know, that that then becomes how much risk do you want to take? You know, it's like car insurance. Do I have an excess? Do I not? You know, it's, it's like it becomes a choice in your business because how much access do you want people to have? How easy do you want things to be? And, and where do you want to have controls in your business? At least once you know that, you're then choosing your path and you're choosing your risk profile. But if you don't know, you're not choosing anything. You're just choosing to be risky. (laughs) Risky business. All right, Jason, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for your time today and we'll chat to you very soon. Thanks, Jason. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more, we recommend checking out our Cybersecurity Culture Program. This project is funded by the Australian Government Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources through the Cybersecurity Business Connect and Protect program. Whether you have a micro, small, medium or large business, cybersecurity is everyone's business. It's up to everyone to be aware, know how to protect and how to act if breached. Feel free to reach out and connect with our cyber experts to review your cyber fitness, strengthen your cybersecurity and implement strategies that will help protect your customers and your brand. Call the Business Centre on 49257700 or connect via our website, businesscentre.com.au. If you wish to make contact with Jason from CyberHive Technology, contact us at the Business Centre and we'll pass on your inquiry. Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please review and rate us through iTunes and follow and share on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at the Business Centre. Thank you.